Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. Derek and Eric here. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, it's a downer start to the day. Yeah. Uh, legendary composer, songwriter, Burt Bacharach has now passed away at the right. age of 94. Right. Uh, and what an amazing life and career he's had. Incredible. Uh, Burt Bacharach, it, it's sort of, so he's a musician. Like, he's a composer. He does the music. He wasn't the lyricist. Yes. For most of, like, the 60s, he had a songwriting partner named Hal David. The two of them wrote some of the most iconic songs of all time, mostly for Dionne Warwick. Yeah. She was sort of their, their She muse. was his muse, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, and, and she just sort of captured the essence of that type of music. How would you describe Burt Bacharach to people who aren't <sighs> familiar? It's not... Uh, it usually gets described as like easy and, listening, sort of yeah. like elevatory like stuff that your parents or grandparents might have liked. Sure. But he's, he's so much more than that. Uh, he won a ton of Grammys, won an Oscar a couple of times. He wrote uh, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Everyone knows that and, song. Come and a, a favorite of yours, Arthur's Theme by Christopher Cross. Love it. When You Get Caught Between the Moon and New York City. I, that was, And it shows his range, too, because rain, uh, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance right. Kid very, very famously when they're riding on the bicycles at yeah. the end of the movie. And then you go all the way to Arthur. Uh, Arthur's a, a you know it's about a, a you know a ten years different. Guy, yeah, yeah. The the society was different. Yeah. It's it's about a drunk guy, uh, and he was able to capture the moment in both those in both right. those phases. Yeah, uh, he, some of your favorite eighty songs he did. He uh, co-wrote "That's What Friends Are For." Love it. And on Best. my own, Patty Labelle and Michael McDonald. Look. You love that song, Songbird. Uh, but it's one of those things like a great songwriter. <clears throat> even if you don't know the old Dionne Warwick songs or you don't listen to that kind of stuff. His music has been so remade and sampled and copied that everybody knows it one way or another. That's right. Like some of his early 60s songs got covered, uh, Always Something There to Remind Me, the mm -hmm. Naked Eyes song from the oh, 80s. Oh, that's a Burt Bacharach track? He wrote that in the 60s originally. They covered it in the 80s. Wow, that I didn't uh, know. That <clears throat> one didn't of the know. most famous things, though, is so all the songs he did for Dionne Warwick, uh, there's a song called Walk On By, which mm -hmm. was a huge hit for Dionne. Right after she did it, Isaac Hayes did this very funky, psychedelic, trippy version of the song. It yes. was only kind of a minor hit at the time. That song has been sampled so many times. Some of the artists who've sampled that, Beyonce, Tupac, wow. Biggie, Ludacris, Alicia Keys, like some of the biggest artists of the last 20, 30 years. So you're talking about someone whose career basically started in the early 60s, right? I yeah. mean, that was well, when very you first heard. Well, in the 50s. His maybe first, 50s. <clears throat> this is, it's so crazy like, to tell you how talented he was. His very first professionally written song. You know who recorded it? Nat King Cole. Unbelievable. Which also the range from Nat King Cole to Alicia Keys and everyone in between. And yeah. Beyonce, yeah, and The Weeknd. Uh, but the, the first person to do your music is Nat King Cole. Yeah. And some of the people who've covered his music are the Beatles. So Paul McCartney and John Lennon, two of the most famous songwriters ever. Stevie Wonder, one of the great songwriters. Yeah. Neil Diamond. These are people who know how to write a song who don't usually have a reason to cover somebody else because they can do it themselves. Yeah. 
they covered Burt Bacharach. Yeah, he was a figure who was like widely and tremendously respected. As I said, what I think of Burt Bacharach, I think of film. I think of how how his, his and he won some Oscars. Music, yeah, infused yeah. the some of the greatest films uh, of all time. I mean, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Arthur. He, it was the soundtrack to those movies. You know, you right. you can't experience those movies without his songwriting as a huge part of the experience. Um, and you know, for the younger listeners, not that young anymore, but like... Yeah, I mean, he, he was 94, a, so that's a pretty good range. He had a cameo. Do you remember him in Austin Powers? Yeah. So he comes in on the double-decker bus. He's the guy sitting there on the piano doing the Burt Bacharach thing. Now, he wasn't a singer, but he no. could sing. He could carry a tune because yeah, he, he obviously made a lot, yeah. of, a lot of music. Uh, but that was their introduction. He's and It's such an important part of the movie because... He captured sort of well, a certain vibe. Of more that, than that more than capturing the for. vibe. This is a, just a fun fact I just saw. So, do you know partly why Austin Powers even existed? No. So, Burt Bacharach wrote a song called "The Look of Love" mm-hmm. for uh, Dusty Springfield. It was in the movie Casino Royale, which was a James Bond kind of the original Casino yeah. Royale. Yeah, the original the one, one, not the yes, Daniel Craig. Not the one. Daniel Craig. Yeah, one. so which was sort of like a, a James Bond offshoot, sort of. That's right. And you know, obviously, Austin Powers is based on James Bond. But Mike Myers said he, he came up with the idea of Austin Powers and was inspired to do that listening to The Look of Love. Yeah. So that's why he put Burt Bacharach in the movie because he kind of indirectly inspired the entire Austin Powers thing. The Look of Love is deployed in that movie in a very sexy scene where he's yeah. got his hairy chest and does his whole little <laughs> dance around the circular bed. So yeah, so yeah it's, it's, everyone had sort of a fondness. He wasn't a divisive figure a, at really, all. No. You know, He had, I think, somewhat of a falling out with Dionne Warwick at some point well, during in the, their career. In the early 70s, he and Hal David did a musical called Lost Horizon that was a huge flop. And he's yes. just one of those people that he'd been so successful for so long when he had this massive like critically commercially it just bombed he just shut down he, like, right. he couldn't work anymore he stopped working with Hal David and Dionne Warwick's like you're supposed to do an album for me <laughs> get and, working yeah and she sued because she's like I'm waiting on you yeah he was so critical to her success and obviously she's a you know hall of famer herself yes. so to but it's impossible for to think of Dionne Warwick without Burt Bacharach she, he was yeah. so they were sort of instrumental it's sort of like Elton John and Bernie Taupin yeah like, or like, they like are Jimmy one Jam and, the and Terry Lewis and Janet Jackson like, yes. there's just there's, those teams there's, that work together there's the composer so well. and the muse and, yeah and but then they also were doing like Close to You by the Carpenters they wrote that song right like, so many things and like I said with with the samples and and people writing in that style, just his his music is such a part of the fabric of our culture. That yeah, even if you don't know him, you do. Yeah, look, it's very sad. He was ninety four. What a life well lived. Amazing but life. he, it's interesting with guys like Burke Bagrack. He's been my entire lifetime, and probably most of your lifetime. He's been lauded as a legend. Like, I, I didn't come yeah, into the world thinking anything other than Burt Bacharach's a legend, so I'm 42 years old. And so he's been lauded for decades. Oh, he was already decades. a <laughs> Hall of Famer before any of us were born. Yeah. But and that's the thing. Like, as a kid, like, I sometimes would hear his name, and I'm like, oh, he's like that old guy from yes. way back. No, he was writing hits alongside the Beatles and the Rolling Stones in the 60s, and then Right, you know, unbelievable. You're still hearing him on Beyonce songs in the 21st century. Unbelievable so. career, and his musical will, will stay with us. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. 
Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Let's Forever. let's move to a more sort of uh, kind of tawdry story. <laughs> Whenever you bring up Pam and Tommy, you're thinking salacious. But this yeah. is actually has, I think, I'm interested in hearing your perspective, but I think it has a sweetness to it. Some people may disagree. So Pamela Anderson's back in the news again. Uh, you know, Pam and Tommy was the fictionalized account of the sex tape. That, that series came out, you know, a couple years ago, I think during the pandemic, a lot of people watched it. But now she has a documentary on Netflix. And in the documentary, she's sort of, taking stock of her life uh, and, you know, her her time on Baywatch and so forth. And a lot of the focus is on her, her and Tommy. Of course. And, you know, she's been married several times, but I watched the documentary and the way she sort of speaks about her other marriages to Kid, uh, Kid Rock, uh, who she calls Bob affectionately, yeah. and uh, to Rick Solomon and so forth. She doesn't speak of them as all that important. They came in the subsequent years to Tommy Lee uh, and says, you know, these were marriages that never really made sense and could never really capture. She's a romantic, but could never really capture what she was looking for. Tommy Lee was her one true love. And she makes that very, very clear. As tumultuous uh, as their relationship was yes. and not always healthy for either one of them. Yes. They clearly were drawn to each other. Yeah. Look, they have two. They share the two kids. The right. two kids are in the documentary. So it's obvious that that is what she considers her her main husband or her true love, however you want to put it. Nevertheless, there's some unflattering things about Tommy Lee in the documentary. That's sure. uh, that's to be expected because they did have a sort of tumultuous relationship. There were allegations of abuse, uh, and she left the relationship ultimately. There's been subsequent stories where Brandon, the son, has had difficult times with Tommy. So, look, Tommy's a volatile guy. He's a rocker. Uh, there's no He yeah. doesn't deny that kind of stuff. Uh, but she does seem to, like, well up with affection for him. So before the documentary came out, we've seen some text messages that she sent to Tommy Lee, who is now married to Brittany Furlon and has been right. married to her for a couple years at yeah. least. Um, and they're not the most respectful thing a, a, a person would send to another married well, person. That depends on who you ask here. That's Pam true. says this is just, you know, and of course, you know, doing this documentary, she's going back over her life. You get a little nostalgic. Yes. She's was looking they're, through. they're literally watching old videos right. in, in the documentary. And, so and, that's she's what, and she says, she's like, to text him, she's like, you know, going through all these things again, like, you were my one true love. She says that to him. Mm -hmm. And and so Brittany Furlan, obviously not super stoked about his ex-wife, who in the public's mind is still, it's the two of them. It's Pam and Tommy. That's right. And, I mean, a few people know Brittany. We know her, but like she's right. not she's not but what you think of Pam and Tommy are just synonymous with each other. That's it. And and so Pam is saying, like, no, this was just, you know, expressing gratitude for, mm -hmm. for the the love that we had and and for the children that we have and sort of taking stock of her life, which on one level you can believe that. Yeah. Because look, she is a little nostalgic right now, looking back over her life and doing her, her book and her her documentary. You can read the text on our website. They don't cross the line to me. They don't seem disrespectful. They no. do seem nostalgic. I think that's the best way of putting it, as you said, uh, because she's just expressing gratitude. I think what she's also doing is preparing him for you're going to get some media attention. There are some things I had to say that are also right. part of our history, and I'm sure Tommy's not happy to have it dredged up again and have to answer questions about the abuse allegations and the sex tape and how it impacted her versus how it impacted him yeah. and how he became sort of a legend for his you know penis honking and so forth. <laughs> uh, but 
you know, I think it's okay for her to send these. Now, Tommy, I think, has done the exact right thing, and I don't think that's often something he's, you think of with Tommy Lee. He's not responded to these texts. Yeah. What he's he's received them. He's a married man. He has been totally respectful and above board to Brittany, his right. current wife. And you by can see not in the engaging. text. You see all of Pam's texts. <laughs> nothing responds. Nothing. No response on the other side. Which. Yeah, I mean, what what could he say back? Like, I love you too. Like, you can't say that to not just an ex-wife. Like we said, there's yeah. Even if they were your, you know, your typical divorced couple, talk when they have to about the kids, but otherwise, whatever. Right. The fact that they are so bound together in the public. Yes. It's not like another divorced couple. It's not, but they'll always be enmeshed. They have two children. You know, even though Brandon and Dylan are older now, they're, yeah. you know, they're young adults, adults and uh, they're adults. Um, and they were a family for a time. And she was saying that it was so cute to see you with the babies at the time. She doesn't seem to me to be trying to get back with Tommy Lee, uh, at least not aggressively. She's sending a bunch of texts. She's probably getting the message that he's not going to respond at this point. And I don't think it's uh, sort of overdoing it. If I'm Brittany, I, I understand feeling a certain way. She posted a TikTok where she said, some funny sort of joke about this is what Pam thinks of me. I wish you would die, kind of thing. Yeah, and she goes, you know, if I died, if Pam's I died. reaction would be like, oh, hmm. Anyway, <laughs> right, right. And then she takes it down, which is yeah. a classic move. Now, Brittany <clears throat> Verlon, just so people know, is a very savvy internet using person. Yes. So when she puts this up and takes it down, I know. I think she knows what she's doing. She's putting it out there in the world and then saying, oops. Yeah, which I makes you more interested to see it. Correct, correct. So, you know, I, and I understand her feeling a certain way, but. I've enjoyed this. It, it's interesting to look at Pam and Tommy in 2023 versus how I thought of them and how society sort of treated Pamela Anderson at the time. You know, I cringe at watching the late night treatment of. Yeah, you can see this with sort of Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan, but you really see it with these with these Pam interviews because she would go on Jay Leno and he would just like mock her to her face about the sex tape, which was stolen. I mean, yeah. she th that she is, did not put that out there. That yeah. was not her doing. And then again, like not that you know, didn't, need she to, didn't make any money from it. Not she, that you even need to shame like you know Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian at all. Do That's your a thing. different level. Yeah, but still, they did knowingly put theirs out there. They signed off on it. They agreed to it being released. They were okay with it. Yes, that was not the case with Pam. And people, I think, don't always get that difference. They hers was it. stolen and bootlegged, and she had no control over it and made nothing off of it. It's str very strange because the casual attitude was she was in Playboy. She showed her boobies. And so she doesn't care. And it was clearly not the case. She cared a lot. She yeah. was very hurt. She it's, felt very violated. It's sort of the, the equivalent, I guess, in more modern times is remember when the cloud hack happened and all those actors and actresses had their nude yes. photos leaked. And people were like, that's illegal. That was stolen. They were, did not want those out and there. And some people, they had it come and they put it on their phone. It's like, no, no they didn't. No. They put it on their phone. And yeah, they that's totally didn't okay. want to share it. Do what you want with your own phone. But yeah, but that was is, sort of the equivalent. Cool. Like it yeah. was stolen. I mean, this was physically stolen, not like hijacked out of the cloud, but it was. It was her private property that she did not want out there. Yes. And, and you know, she talks about it in the documentary because it felt like it is a sort of different feeling of violation. She compares it to kind of like rape at, at some point. Like she felt like society was sort of raping yeah. her. And Tommy, although he has always said, I didn't want this out there either. Uh, did get lauded by a certain segment of the population <laughs> who said, wow, what a hog on that guy. <laughs> well, and, and then he did release his own nude a year or two ago. That's right. So and he, he, Exactly. So he's played with it more. And, and I got to say, I watched, <laughs> not, okay. no pun intended, but I, uh, I watched this and I have a lot of sympathy for her. She is, she has a certain depth to her that uh, I didn't recognize at the time when she was famous. She did seem just like the Baywatch sort of blonde, uh, but she has something to her. She's substantive, she and, and I've enjoyed the sort of like revisiting it. That's sort of the thing is in, in this particular situation with these text messages. I, you know, I, I could understand Pam being nostalgic, yeah, and just reaching out to Tommy. But I also 
really understand Brittany Furlong being like, I mean, imagine if your your spouse had an ex that was like that they shared children with. Yes, being like you're my true love, and like I'm just sure. so great for, about our relationship, and you would not like it. I wouldn't like it. I, I do look at this situation as everyone has behaved kind of well. You know, I don't yeah. expect it out of the three of them, but if you look at what Pam did, I don't think she went way over the line. She may have crossed it somewhat with her nostalgia, maybe keep right. it to yourself, but she also wanted to prep him for this thing that was coming out and not be blindsided. Then you look at Tommy not responding, perfect move. That That is the right, right move. You know, he receives them, but he's not engaging. And then you look at Brittany, she sort of posts a, a, a snarky TikTok and takes it down. So, but still, she could be doing much worse and exactly. making this a thing. She could have made a war and, out of it. And, and you would think she would like, oh, I can raise my profile. I'll, I'll get But it'd be so disrespectful to Tommy. Like, why drag him That's back right. into that? It, it, it is funny when you think of them. Maturity all around. I know. Think of Pam and Tommy in the 90s. She's on Baywatch. He's the drummer for Motley Crue, yes. one of the most famously over the top outrageous bands of all time. Who would have thought 30 years later, respectful and happy middle age 50s right. aging metalhead and and the Baywatch queen it's it's I, living I've their lives and, and doing all right yeah so that'll do it for us today uh we'll end on that note I think it's yeah. uh it's been an interesting thing to revisit the Pam and Tommy saga so check out yeah. the documentary if you want and we'll see you next time 